Thank you for tuning in again to the Rocky Brown Ministries podcast. I am Rocky Brown. Well, praise the Lord. So, this is a this is part two of what we started Sunday. Behave as a Christian, and so I know I know Sunday was kind of rough a little bit. I know, but it was very it's very important that we are confronted with our mistakes. Right? It's very important that we're confronted with where we're going wrong. Like I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday, Abby and I were. Abby and Eli and I were heading to dance class and uh, got in the truck, you know, and we were driving down the road and kids are talking, blah, 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 you know, and all this different stuff. And out of nowhere, Eli says, I hope Joe Biden doesn't get elected. Now, my seven-year-old son says, I hope Joe Biden doesn't get elected. I said, oh, yeah? Why? Big long pause. I said, "Why, son? I don't know." I said, "Do you want Donald Trump to get elected?" "Yep." "Why?" Big long pause. I said, "He said." I said, "Why, son?" He said, "Well, Dad, I really don't know." So then I started explaining to him. I said, "Son, I said it's very important that we have reasons, good reasons, why." We do what we do. It's very important to know why we're doing what we're doing. And see, the problem is is that most people are like my seven-year-old son. Now, see, I, I explained to him, I said, do you see the purpose here that it's very important, son, that you know why you don't want someone to be elected or why you say you do want someone to be elected? I said, do you understand that? He said, I do understand that, Dad. I said, I know you do. I, I mean, he's very intelligent. And uh, But the problem is, is that most people are exactly like that. Why do you want such and such? I had a conversation one time with a person that uh, has not, I don't think they've been back to my house since. <laughs> I'm almost persuaded. <laughs> I'm almost fully persuaded they haven't come back. But you know, the Lord really, really deals with me in a way that I really, really appreciate because, he, you know, He's beautiful and He can meet you right where you're If you're willing to listen, He'll meet you right where you're at and teach Him. And so He's very good about presenting to me things in a way that causes me to stop and question, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I say... I believe what I believe. See, that's something that is very important. Why do you believe what you say you believe? So I had a person come to my house one time complaining about their spouse. And they said, you know, there's this long laundry list of complaints, you know, all these different things. And But when we get down to the very essence of it, there's nothing, there's no... There's no evidence to back up why this person feels the way that they say they feel. Well, see, we need to be cautious of that. If we don't have a reason for what we're doing and it's destructive, that's coming from the devil. Very important to understand that. 
very important to understand. So I asked them, you know, they broke down to it and this, you know, basically it was that, well, you know, I don't want to be loved on. Well, that's a problem when you're married. I said, so why? Because I don't. But why? Well, because I just don't. But why? Well, because I, I, well, I, because I don't. I said, I, I understand what you're saying to me. Now, what are you, what, do you understand what I'm asking you? Why? Well, I don't know. I said, I would check that, figure out what's going on here. See what I mean? There are so many people that are doing so many things that they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. For perfect example, I'll give you, or for another example, you know, all these things that you're seeing on Instagram and Facebook, you know, about the election stats and facts and all this different stuff. Do you understand that that's propaganda? That's exactly what that is. It's propaganda. The Nazis did very similar things, like they would fly over places and drop all these leaflets and all these pamphlets, you know, about why they should hate the Jews and, you know, all these different things. And, and they would, uh, you know, why they were doing what they were doing. Well, so they cut off. Now, see, here's the, the same thing that we're looking at when we see this. What they do? They cut off truth. Then they started injecting over and over and over and over and over and over and over why the people should be following Hitler. See that? That's exactly the same thing that we're going to hear. You're seeing the you're seeing censorship on the media. You're seeing censorship on social media. You're seeing all these different things. And so it's very important that we Continue to seek what is truth. Now you say to me, well, how am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to get the truth if the media is lying to me and the politicians are lying to me? Well, you know, the Lord said in Jeremiah 33 and 3, He said, call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And you may wonder, what has this got to do with what we're talking about here? Well, because it's important behaving like a Christian, conducting yourself in a Christian manner is of the highest importance. Because, see, that keeps you in the flow of God. See, that, that keeps you right in the flow. And then that way, when it comes time for you to need to know something, you just go and ask and Father can reveal it to you. See, there's no disobedience. There's no rebellion. There's no sin. There's no lawlessness. There's no... See, see those things create blocks, stumbling blocks, and, 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 and stops revelation from coming and all these different things. But see, people don't understand that because they've been taught to do what? Well, I have a right to my opinion. <laughs> well, you do certainly have a right to your opinion, naturally speaking. But supernaturally speaking, you should learn when to keep your mouth shut. And that's very tough for me. Very, very tough for me. I'll give you a perfect example. I like to use myself as an example. <laughs> I am my own favorite example. So I'll tell you something that was, as I was going throughout the course of the day today, working on different things, walking around the house, praying, you know, this first thing, one, then another, you know. So I get this, this, this saying, just, it seemed like it just kept rising up in my spirit. 
You have a right to your opinion, but you don't have a right to force your opinion on other people. You have a right to your opinion, but you don't have a right to force your opinion on other people. And oddly enough, I'll tell you exactly the, how the Lord <laughs> worked in this is that, using myself as an example, I think, my personal opinion, I think it's ridiculous that people have put up Christmas trees in October. That's, that's my personal opinion, right? So, get this, every time it shows up on Facebook, someone's showing up on Facebook, you know, putting their Christmas trees on there and all this, all this different stuff. I want to comment, but I refrain, my, I, I refrain from that. I stop that. Why? Because who am I to say that my opinion's right and theirs is wrong? We've had a very, very hard year as a country, as a world. So, you know what? If someone putting a Christmas tree up in their house at the end of October or the middle of July makes them happy, who am I to run my mouth and, and, and degrade them and run them down and say that's stupid and all this different stuff? Who am I? Who am I to do something like that? See, we've, we, in behaving like a Christian, we've missed that... Our opinion doesn't apply to everybody. And I'm speaking of myself here. So it's very important that we learn to be loving and kind. You know what? Hey, that Christmas tree looks really nice. Does that make you happy? Does that make you happy? It's not sin. There's no sin to that. You know, so these people that are having a hard time that are really struggling all this at this point in the year. Who, who gives me the authority? What gives me the right to run my mouth to those people? Do I, do I want to? Absolutely. Is that right? Probably not. Is it right that they're, what they're doing that does not affect me in any way, shape, form, or fashion aggravates me? Probably not. But here's the thing. Am I behaving like a Christian? That's the thing. That's the thing that we always have to watch out for. So it's going to be interesting. We're going to go through this tonight. I want to show you some things. But I want, I want to answer a question, and then I want to tell you that I was partially wrong at something that I said. So Kenny asked me a question Sunday. He said, are we called to hate the devil? And I said, no, we're only called to hate sin, right? All right. So I was partially right and partially wrong. But I want to look at it, and I want you to see it, because I'm going to break it down, and I'm going to show it something. I'm going to show you something that astonished me today as the Lord began to teach me on this. It was beautiful. He's so cool, right? So go to Psalms chapter 5. You say, well, what's the Old Testament got to do with me being a Christian? <laughs> It's going to be fun. Psalms chapter 5. We're going to start out. Now, this is part two. Part two of behaving like a Christian is called, labeled, I've labeled it the Christian character. All right? Psalms chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. 
the header to this entrance here is called, or the, to this opening is called, Are We Called to Hate the Devil? What's one got to do with the other? Because you need to know what that, the Bible says about this as a part of your Christian character. It's very important. So watch this. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand, shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors, detests, can't stand the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. So the Bible right here says, you hate, speaking of God, says he hates workers of iniquity. Now go to Matthew chapter 5. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Would you say that a worker of iniquity would be an enemy of God? Worker of sin? He hates them. Make, that'd, make God, that'd make them God's enemy, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's okay. This is not a trick question. <laughs> Look at verse... Let's go to verse 43. Jesus says... You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Sound just like what we read there in Psalms, doesn't it? But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now this seems like an absolute contradiction of Scripture, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like we just took one Scripture and stood it up against another Scripture that seemed like they are 180 degrees opposite of one another? That's what it looks like, doesn't it? It says in the Old Testament, it says, You hate workers of iniquity. And then Jesus is standing here saying, love your enemies. So what's the key? What's the key to understanding these two? Because both of them are right. And they don't contradict one another. So where's the key to understanding this? The key to understanding this. The Lord has showed me this on a number of words. Love, fear, Here's the thing. Hate is a broad spectrum word. So what I think of when I think of the word hate, I think of, I'm going to kill you. That's what I think when I, or I'm willing to do <laughs> harm. <laughs> to, you see what I'm saying? I, I am willing to do extreme. When I hear the term hate, I mean, I just utterly just, I mean, just get it away from me. I mean, I, I, and I'm going to just, I, I hate it. I'm going to, you know, all this different stuff. Well, so when you ask me, are we supposed to hate the devil? I said, no. And I said, I was going to prove that to you, right? Well, we didn't get there Sunday. And so then in this, 
as I started rolling this over, I started looking at this, and I saw these scriptures, and I said, that is very interesting. So I'm going to read some stuff to you, and then I'm going to give you, a defini- I'm going to give you some definitions. Okay? So hated, the word hated that you see translated, when you see, look at Psalm chapter 5, and you look and you see a word that's translated into the English word hated. It's translated from the Greek word sane. And it can mean it's translated also unloved. An enemy, detest, to thoroughly hate or exceedingly hate. Well, there's a big difference between unloved and thoroughly hated. Just because I don't just because I don't love you know Brussels sprouts does not mean that I thoroughly hate them. It just means I don't really like them. See that? All right. Now, this word hate that you see Jesus use in the Greek New Testament where it says hated you have heard you've heard that it said that you should Hate, it says hate that you should hate, love your, your neighbor and hate your enemy, right? Translated from the Greek word miseo, and it means to pursue one with hatred, to detest or to love less. Now that doesn't make very much sense, does it? These, these two definitions that we've got here doesn't really help us, does it? It doesn't make a lot of good sense, does it? Well, this is why it's important that at times you need to understand being led by the Spirit of God you need to go to just a regular old standard dictionary and get some definitions. Now, a lot of pastors and Bible teachers won't tell you that, but it's very important. It's very important for you to understand this because I'm going to read something to you. This is from the Free Dictionary. It says, to feel, number one, it can mean to feel strong, dislike, or even hostility. To dislike intensely or passionately. To detest, to feel an extreme aversion for, or to feel extreme feelings of hostility. So that's a wide range, isn't it? That's a lot wider range than what we would have thought hate. Okay? Now this is what the Oxford Dictionary says about it. It says, again, to express strong dislike for to criticize or abuse an intent or having an intense feeling of revenge, dislike, or prejudice. Now we would see that, for perfect example, white supremacists hate black people. Why? Because of the color of their skin. They have a extreme prejudice against them. Is that right? Absolutely that's not right. It's not right at all. But so now when we see that this can mean, even in Hebrew, when we look at this, this can mean even to just love a little less. Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Oh, now we got to start doing some studying here. See why it's important? This is exactly why the Apostle Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Because hate, hate is a broad spectrum word. 
and I'm going to read it to you from my notes right here. That way, This is the way the Holy Spirit said this to me earlier. Hate is a broad-spectrum word that has a wide variety of different meanings. So it's very important for us to understand that how, how we apply the word as well as making sure that we use it in the correct way. Now this is very interesting what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, uh, this is directly from my notes, Also, the Holy Spirit showed me that the actions and intent of the heart is very important to understand and interpret, meaning that people who allow themselves to build violent and aggressive hatred are verbally and physically abusive and disrespectful. See that? Now it's starting to make sense. But see, here's the thing. You've been taught all your life you either love something or you hate something. You either like something or you dislike it. Right? So think about this. If you, one person, uh, I just love cheeseburgers. Well, another person says, well, I absolutely hate cheeseburgers. Well, what does that mean? What does that does that mean? I really don't like cheeseburgers, but if I was starving, I'd still eat them. I hate them, or is it I really, really hate them, and no, I'd never eat them. I'd not even if I was starving. And what does it mean when we say that we love them? Do you love cheeseburgers like you love your grandson? See, there are fourteen, and we're going to get into this in just a minute a part of this, but there are at least 14 different words or word phrases, combinations of words put together that's translated into the word love. 14 different words or word phrases in the Greek New Testament that are simply translated into the word love and yet they describe a wide diversity of loves, different types of Love. See that? And so, as we see here, hate is also very, very similar. So when we look at this, are we called, are we called to have a strong dislike for the devil's ways and his actions? Absolutely. Are we called to, to, to even detest his ways and his actions? Emphatically, yes, we are. Are we called to hate and have a strong dislike for the ways that He works through people? Most certainly. Are we to have intense feelings of rage and violence toward the devil? No, we are not. Are we to talk to the devil in such a way that's disrespectful? No, we are not. And I'm going to prove it to you in the light of the Scriptures. Are we to talk about the devil in a way that is disrespectful? No, we are not. <laughs> I know. I know that this is tough. I know that this takes processing, right, to understand. But what, where, what's our standard? What do we go by? We go by what the Word says. That's what we go by. We go by the examples set in the Word. 
Now, I mean, I've heard loudmouth preachers uh, talking extremely disrespectfully about the devil. And acting like they would talk extremely disrespectful to the devil. And yet, understand this. When we say devil, diabolos, we understand that that is a job description and not a proper name. It's important to understand that. And devils, if you read in the King, the King James, is translated from the Greek word, and let me see if I can pronounce this correctly because this is one of those funny ones, diomonsonai, diomonsonai. Something like that. But anyway, it's actually a better translation of that would be demons. So the word devil and the word devils, in, when we start looking at this in the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word translated devils is not the plural form of the Greek word that's devil. Diabolos is translated devil, the accuser of the brethren, the slander of the brethren, the one who comes against the mind with repetitive hammering of the mind trying to thoroughly penetrate the mind. So it's important to understand that. See, there's too much going on here. Think about it like this. What if you, had, you went to work and you had no idea who owned the company? And you had no idea who your supervisor was, who your boss was, all this different stuff, and you're just calling all these people all these different things, and, this, and there's, there's no understanding at all about how things work at where you're at. Unfortunately, that's exactly how it works with most Christians. See, and we're going to look at this in Jude. Very important because we want to see there is an authority structure to the kingdom of Satan. It is not called the kingdom of darkness in the Bible. Satan has his kingdom. He is the ruler of this kingdom. And under him are other beings of the same class that he is. And on down. In rank. Very important to understand this. Satan is the ruler of that kingdom. He's also what's called the prince of the power of the air. He's the ruler of the world system. All these things that you're seeing take place right now, with all these different governors and all these different mayors and all this different stuff, they are operating inside the system that Satan has set up. Think about it like this. No one says we'll destroy over 100,000 lives to potentially save one. See, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy you see that? So this all is coming back to an understanding how are we supposed to conduct ourselves even in dealing with what we would consider our arch enemy? Because what did Jesus say right there? I say to you, what? Well, love wouldn't, treat, wouldn't be disrespectful, would it? Very important to see this. And here's the thing that the enemy tricks people on is he... he, he 
he taunts people into acting this way because they don't understand that that's dragging themselves off in sin, which is actually opening the door, permitting him to come in. There's only two signs. And when you get off in sin, you're off in the devil's territory. See these things that take place in people's lives that think that they think that God's punishing them for what they've done is actually where they've stayed in repetitive sin, prolonged sin for a number of time, for a number of years. They, through sin, have opened the door for the devil to come into their lives. That's how it's getting at their children, so on and so forth, their families, all this different stuff. Then destruction happens. And people stand back and they cry and they say, Oh God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? He says, I didn't. You did. See, when you know what to do and you do it not, when you know to do good and you don't do it, to that one it's sin. So when you read something in the Word and you know, okay, I'm I'm doing this and I'm not supposed to be, that's an a revelation of it's time for repentance. Or I'm not doing this, but I need to be doing this. That's also a revelation of repentance. I need to correct. I need to go the right way. Well, when you see that and you refuse not to go down the path of repentance, now you're in no, you're in, you're willfully in sin. So see, that's the thing. This is how sickness gets in a lot of people's lives. This is how a lot of people get sick and then, in, and then over a prolonged period of time, they die because they won't listen to a minister that's not their pastor. If your pastor's not been called to teach on healing, you got trouble. You know, you're asking God to do something. And that you, it, it, so see, there's all these different things, and we're going to cover that more when we get over into authority and understanding how these things work. But behaving like a Christian even is in so crucially important in how we deal with those who are our enemies. Very important to understand that we are called, we're, we are called to even the devil, even Satan. We are to hold a certain place. We hate to use the word respect, but you don't talk to him derogatory. You don't talk about him in a derogatory manner. So we want to see this, right? We want to prove this, don't we? We want to prove it. All right, go to Jude. Go to the, in the huge book of Jude, all one chapter, about 20-some-odd verses. Now, this one chapter is cram-packed with a lot of information. But we want to look at something here, and I want to show you something. Yep, it's the book right before Revelation. <laughs> Sorry. Go to Revelation and then go one, one chapter back. But we want to see something here. And we have to understand that there's a lot. Jude's dealing with a lot in just this one little old chapter. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you, though. Jude, chapter 1, verse 9. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, 
when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Now, what's this talking about? Well, we really don't have any idea what this is talking about because there's no biblical evidence other than this one reference of Michael the archangel contending with the devil over the body of Moses. Now, assumably, this is talking about when Moses died because, see, no one knows where Moses was buried because the Lord himself buried Moses. Now, does that mean that the Lord came down off the throne and buried Moses himself? No, apparently it means that he sent Michael to do it. Well, why, was this, why is Michael important? He, well, see, he's the chief prince over Israel. He's the chi- and we'll get into this when we start studying authority because you're going to come to find out that there are angels that are set, even demons that are set as princes over regions. Very important. But what's it say here? So we see Michael, what we consider as biblical evidence in the realm of angels. Now, we're not talking about the angel of the Lord, but in the, in the realm of worker angels, it would stand to reason that Michael, the archangel, is the greatest of them all. And yet, here he is on the earth, and he's arguing, he's contending, arguing with the devil over the body of a man. And it says what? What does it say that Michael said to the devil? It says that he dared not. Strong language right there. You could say it like this. Yet Michael the archangel did not even dare to bring a reviling accusation, but said only, what? But said, the Lord rebuke you. Reviling here is translated from the Greek word blasphemia. Blasphemia. This is where we get our word, one of the, this is where we would hear blasphemy, right? Or blaspheme. Evil, so this can be translated as, defined as evil speaking, slander, detraction. Anybody know what detraction is? Me either. I had to look that up. Detraction. Unlike posi-traction. Not a rear end. <laughs> detraction means, listen to this, to reduce or take away worth or value. So he didn't say to the devil, you worthless piece of trash. Said he dared not even do it. Impious. That means not showing, listen to this, respect or reverence, especially for a God. (laughs) Now what's this mean? Well, Satan is called the God of this world. Anybody ever heard that? He's called the God of this world. That simply means, in this particular instance, ruler. He's the ruler of this world system. So we could say it like this. Impious would be not showing respect or reverence for the one true God or a ruler that's less than him. With me? Reproachful speech. speech. Say that ten times fast. Reproachful speech. Or to criticize 
in an abusive or angri- or angrily insulting manner. So he didn't insult the devil, did he? He didn't criticize him in, a, in an abusive way. He didn't even talk to him in a way that was not respectful. What did he say? Understanding the authority here, what did he say? Michael understood that the authority that Satan carried on the earth. So what did he have to do? He had to operate on the authority of the one that was greater than the ruler that he was standing in front of. And yet, he didn't get to the devil and say, you worthless piece of garbage. I remember when the Lord kicked you out of heaven. Who do you think you are trying to contend against me? Now that's how a lot of people would talk, wouldn't it? But yet Michael the archangel didn't talk in such a way. We see where we're going with this? Accusation. Translated from the Greek word krisis. This can be concerning judgment, an opinion, or a decision given concerning anything. It can be condemnation, and it can be damnation. That's interesting, isn't it? All right, so let's look at how the king himself handled Satan when he was on the earth, when he was standing before him in the temptation of the wilderness. What did he do? You didn't, he didn't call him a piece of trash, did he? Did Jesus talk to Satan in a disrespectful manner in any way? He did not. <laughs> He didn't. He absolutely did not. Why? Because disrespect and dishonoring anybody is displeasing to God. And you have to understand, and we'll see, you'll understand this more when we, get, when we start on authority. Satan held the authority of the earth. Even at the time that Jesus was walking here, Satan had authority of the earth. Very important to understand that. So think about it like this. You wouldn't go down to the courthouse and talk disrespectfully to the judge, would you? Some people do, and it doesn't work out very well for them. You wouldn't go down to, you wouldn't go to the federal courthouse in London and talk disrespectfully to the judge. You wouldn't go to even the governor's office and talk disrespectfully to him long before people who had authority over you came and took you away. Very important to see this. Very important to understand this. Because if you don't understand how authority works, you can't use it. And in, the, and in that, the enemy will get in your life and you won't be able to take authority over him to run him out. And this is where a lot of people have so much trouble. Because what have you been taught? Well, I'll bust him in the face. Hmm? I'll do this and I'll do that and blah, blah, blah. And boy, I mean, you just get that, you know, people get that head bobbing and everything else. And all, they have no idea that with every word that, that proceeds out of their mouth, they're opening a potential door for the enemy, especially the Christian. Especially the Christian. 
Let no corrupt word, what? Proceed from your mouth. But what? What kind of words? But only words that are seasoned with grace, that you may impart grace to the hearer. See that? It's very important to understand this, that this is, we are called to walk differently than the world. The world walks that way. Too many Christians walk that way. I've been guilty of this. I, this is something that I struggle with. I'm not going to lie to you. This is something that don't look at me and think I've mastered this because I, I, this is something that <laughs> I, I, I struggle with this too. Okay? But when we look at how the king himself handled things, can anybody see this? Can I get an amen here? Did anybody see this? Huh? That's good preaching, ain't it, Brother Brown? <laughs> you want to run the devil out of your life, you've got to do it God's way. And how we do things God's way is behaving like a Christian. How do we know how to behave like a Christian? We behave according to the standard in which God has set. And he says, if you'll do this, then I can move mightily through your life. Well, you can't help other people get set free if you're wearing chains, bondages. See that? All right. So, Jesus answered every word spoken by Satan with God's word while he was being tempted and tried. Everything he said, he, the devil said, well, it's written. Jesus said, it is also written. Every time there was a deception, Jesus fired right back in with the word. Every time, right? He did, but he did command Satan to leave him after the temptation was complete, but he never spoke to him or about him. Very important to understand that. In a means in which was disrespectful. Neither should we. Now, he also did not speak derogatorily or in a way that was, you know, bad to the demons that he cast out, did he? Oftentimes, he wouldn't even let them speak. He'd command them that they couldn't speak. He never, he never looked at that madman of Gadara and said, What's your name, you piece of garbage? He looked at that man and commanded that demon to speak. What's your name? Tell me what your name is. See that? Very important. See, we're supposed to walk as he himself walked. Pretty cool, though, huh? How cool is this to see this, though? <laughs> All right. So, now, what's our Christian character supposed to look like? Go to Second Peter. Second Peter, we're going to look at chapter 1, and we're going to hang in right here. We're going to hang in right here, and we're going to finish right here. Second Peter, and go to chapter 1. Now, I'm going to start reading to you at verse 2. And we're going to go through this kind of slow because I want you to see the words that are used here. And I really, really, really want you to process this as we're going through this. Very important. So the Spirit of God through Peter would say it like this, starting in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Well, that would tell you right there immediately... You just barely have to be smart enough 
to read The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss to realize that right here, ideally, it's God's will for grace and peace to be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus. So he wants grace and peace and the knowledge of God to be multiplied. Not just added, but multiplied. Walking continuously in multiplication of grace and peace and the knowledge of God. See that? Now, verse 3 says, As His divine power has given to us, someone say all, all things that pertain to what? Life. Life here is translated from the Greek word zoe. This is life like God Himself has it. Fullness of life, eternal life. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and what? Godliness. That means the power lives in you to shut that mouth. Lives in me to shut my mouth and not say things about people's Christmas trees. Which ain't got a thing, which ain't a bit of business of mine more than it is anything in the world. So you've got the flesh to contend with and you're always going to have it. Did I ever tell you the story about old grandma, Brother Hagin, and the chicken? Brother Hagin told this story one time, said that there was this old woman. He said he was just a boy. And he said that there was this old woman that lived, you know, right there, I guess, right there on the block where he lived in, uh, in Texas, you know, Garland, Texas. And he said that old grandma, you know, was up in her 80s and said that old grandma was a good woman, saint dear, saint of God, you know. And uh, he said, but... You know, she had, would walk up and down the street testifying to people that the root of sin had, she was so thoroughly sanctified and holy that the root, very root of sin had been taken out of her and, and that it was impossible for her to sin, you know. And uh, <laughs> so he said, Grandma kept a garden, you know, even up in her 80s. Grandma kept a garden there, you know. And said, Grandma kept noticing that the neighbor man's chickens was getting in her garden, going down through the rows, you know, of <laughs> picking her vegetables and stuff. He said, well, old Grandma go down through the fence and fix the fence, and check for holes and all this. And said, old Grandma got to catching on to the fact that them chickens had to have a little help getting over in that garden. And he said that she lived next door to a man that he was just a devilish man, you know, and said that that old man that lived next to her said he'd catch Grandma not looking and he'd throw one or two of them chickens over the fence. <laughs> well, Grandma caught on to this, you know, and said that she was watching out the back door and caught him, caught him doing it, you know. <laughs> he threw that chicken over the fence and said old Grandma <laughs> went sneaking down the road behind that chicken. And said, grab that chicken boy and said, just wrung its head plumb off and throwed it over the fence back at the, in the man's yard and, and yelled at him and said, let that be a lesson to you. And walked in the house and said, he slammed the door so loud and said, got everybody's attention on the block. <laughs> well, so a little while went by and old grandma realized that uh, after she calmed down, she realized what she'd done. And said that that old woman went up and down the street knocking on doors, apologizing to people and asking people to forgive her for the way that she'd acted. 
And, you know, people told her that, well, you know, we always had confidence in you, but now after something like this and you've come, you know, going door to door, apologizing to people, we've got more confidence in you than we've ever had. But uh, old Brother Hagin said, he said, you know, old Grandma realized that uh, she still had the flesh to contend with. <laughs> and, you know, and sanctification is a progressive thing. So we should be doing better than we were yesterday. But understanding the fact that if we're going to keep this body under subjection, this flesh under subjection, it's going to take work. And it's going to take work every day. So there's your fun, there's your fun little side journey about Grandma. All right. So it says that God's given us everything that pertains to everything. All things. He's given us all things. He didn't miss anything. He's given us all things. You might say it like this. All the power, all the ability, all the skills, all the tools, and all the capabilities that we would ever need that's pertaining to life and godliness. You say, why, why am I participating in that? Well, have you ever studied it? Have you ever heard that? So you can't walk in the light of what you don't know. See, it's going to get better, though. So He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given, which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these we may, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Now watch what the Spirit of God says right here. But also for this very reason. For what very reason? That, well, for the very reason that God's given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who's called you. And you've been given exceedingly great and precious promises that you may be partakers of divine nature and having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. For that reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now, it's important to understand here. Add to. Add to your faith. Virtue. Well, that must mean that faith alone ain't going to get the job done. See, if you've got to keep adding to it, it, faith alone ain't going to get the job done, is it? Now, see, it's important here to understand that every believer, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. Now, assumably, it's the same measure. Some people would like for you to believe that they got a greater measure of faith than someone else did. But God shows no partiality. So He's dealt to each one a measure of faith. So that means I got the same measure, you got the same measure. Now, you're going to start to see here where the separation between different, different Christians is, is taking place. Why do we see some Christians performing at a higher capacity than others? We're going to see this. All right, so Paul, what, what's Peter say here? Not Paul. What's Peter say here? He says, add to your faith virtue. Well, what is virtue? Moral goodness. Moral excellence. Modesty and purity few things that would describe what virtue here is. See, virtue here is translated from the Greek word arte, erite, I do believe. Erite, A-R-E-T, long E. 
erite. And this means moral goodness, moral excellence. So I've, the very first thing I'm going to do here is to add what to my faith? Virtue. Now what am I going to do? Now that I've added virtue, what am I going to do now? Well, it says to add to virtue, knowledge. You mean I got to know a little something on top of this? You mean, you mean faith and moral excellence is not enough? Now I got to know a little something too? You're going to have to see, study to show yourself approved. So see, that's why you got to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Let's keep going. And to knowledge, King James says temperance. New King James says self control self-control that's interesting isn't it anybody here anybody here ever struggle with self-control <laughs> I do I got both hands raised <laughs> and to self-control what's the King James said there Kathy endurance add to self-control what Knowledge, self-control, to self-control, what? Patience. All right. King James says here, perseverance. New King James says perseverance. What's that mean? Stay in power. Remember we talked there Sunday about that you shouldn't be carried away by every wind of doctrine? Remember that? Well, to not be carried away by every wind of doctrine, bad doctrine, false doctrines, bad teachings, false teachings, you're going to have to have some stay in power. That's why you need first faith, then moral excellence. Then you're going to have to have knowledge before you can create endurance, stay in power. Pastor Mark Hankins would say it like this. It takes faith to go where God tells you to go, but it takes the same amount of faith to stay where God tells you to stay. So you need stay in power. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore be immovable and steadfast and always abounding in the work of the Lord. So be immovable. Well, what's immovable? Stay in power, isn't it? See that? So you need some stay in power. And to perseverance, godliness. Conducting yourself in a manner that's holy. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Now, brotherly kindness here is a bad rendering of the Greek word that's used here. Brotherly, not in the Greek New Testament, and kindness is well, should have been translated love. Because, see, this is translated brotherly kindness here. This is one of these word phrases that I was telling you, two words here put together that gives us an understanding of something, but brotherly kindness here translated from the Greek word Philadelphia. What's the city of Philadelphia? The city of what? Brotherly love. See that? So brotherly kindness here, not a very good rendering of the word that was used there. And brotherly kindness here, a fraternal affection. Love of the brethren. Love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. In the New Testament, the love with which Christians cherish each with, with, with one another. So, see, so that would give you, that would be way more than kindness, wouldn't it? 
All right. And to brotherly love or brotherly kindness, love. Now, love here is Strong's number G0026, agape, the kind of love that God is. And now listen to what the Spirit of God says next here. It says, because I, I want you to see this, and then I want to go back, and I want to show you something right here about this particular seventh verse. It, but verse 8 says, For if these things are yours and abound, you will be what? You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So when we see here, think about this. You can't jump back and forth. Like, think about it like this. You couldn't go from faith and skip virtue and knowledge and have good self-control. And then you couldn't, you know, you couldn't have faith and self-control and leave out virtue and knowledge and endurance and brotherly love and then get to the God kind of love. See, it doesn't work that way. See, this is, a, this is what's telling us here that... I don't know if that wasp was back up there. I was about to have to take him out. This, when we understand, this is why we see so many Christians that rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall. And one day they're on the top of the mountain and the next day they're in the valley. And then the next day they're somewhere in between. And then the next day they're back up on the mountain. And then they're back down in the valley. Why? Well, one day they're as kind as they can be. And the next day they're so grouchy you can't stand to be around them. They're missing something in this department. See, you can't walk. Think about it like this. See, we're called to walk in love. Well, you can't walk that love, walk in love, walk in agape, the God kind of love. You can't walk in the God kind of love if you got holes in this particular area right here. So see, think about it like this. See, you couldn't, how could you, how could you move on to self, to have, how could you know how to have good control with self-control without knowledge? So you need a knowledge of the Word about what the Word says. How to act on the Word. Faith acted upon opens the door to the miraculous. Well, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, so if you're lacking knowledge, how could you have good self-control? See that? If you don't, and see then again, if you don't like, if you're lacking in the self-control department, well, then how, how will you move on to have stay in power? So if you don't have good self-control. I remember years ago when I worked at W.D. Bryant's, there was people down there that would absolutely aggravate the fire out of me. Absolutely aggravate the fire out of me. And it wasn't really. It, things never came online until I got baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. It just changes everything. It changes. I, I mean, it's immediately it's the difference between daylight and dark. But the, the issue is, is that I had a lot of head knowledge, but I didn't know how to apply it. Well, so see, head knowledge without a means on which to apply it, that doesn't really help you much, does it? 
You can have all kinds of information in your head, but unless you're going on Jeopardy, it's not going to do you. It's not going to do you a lot of good. So, see, in knowledge, you can have information, but then knowledge too is the ability and how we apply. How do we apply these things and make them work? So, see, now that I know, I know that I'm supposed to bring my body under subjection. Now I understand that this is going to be a fight. Once I know that I'm supposed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, then that tells me by default that I don't have to be strong in myself or in my own power. So once I realize, and it really becomes real to me, that I'm supposed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, and that I don't have to do it in my own strength or my own power, now I'm starting to draw from a source that's immovable. Now I've got staying power. Now I'm learning how to not say things to people about Christmas trees that's offensive just because i got a bad attitude. See that? Now I've got self-control and I'm working on staying power. Well, what about these people? What about, uh, what about people that believe differently than I believe that, that say they're a Christian? See the, 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 see, the qualifier here to be a Christian is to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and to confess with your mouth that God raised Him from the dead. So then, who am I to talk bad about Catholics because they do things differently than I do or they don't believe like I do. I'll tell you, the Lord really got me earlier. Well, and so the good thing about this is is that once you move into an area here where you're willing to correct and you're willing to repent, you'll start to see things and you'll stop yourself. The Lord will show you. He won't even say anything to you. He'll make it immediately known to you. So earlier, I saw this meme from someone that... That one minute, you know, they're sharing stuff about the Bible, and then the next minute they're sharing stuff that's got cuss words blanked out and all this different stuff. And, 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 and again, why should I let that move me? Because of the fact that there are times that I see something that has a cuss word in it and I laugh. Anybody else guilty of that? <laughs> right? Okay. All right. So number one, I, I, that's not, I, I'm not his judge. I, I don't, he's not my servant. Who am I to judge another one's servant, right? It's God who causes him to, can cause him to stand and will cause him to stand. It ain't none of my business. Well, so anyway, this meme that the guy shared said, while the crowd was crowning Saul, God was anointing David. Now, it sounds good, doesn't it? You know, while the you know with the current with the current temperature of everything that's going on, you know, you know, like where the crowd's crowning Joe Biden right now, but secretly God's anointing Donald Trump. That's exactly what I kept saying. Well, you said that. and I now I will say this, I, I I will say this leading up to this, and I still believe it now. I believe the crowds missed it, and I believe God was. I believe that Donald Trump was the man that God had picked for the job. Now the crowds done something different, ain't they? We don't know how this is going to play out. But anyway, see, I could prove that to you. See, that God didn't want Israel to have a king. He said, I'm your king. 
They said, we want a king like all the other nations have. He said, but I'm your king. But wasn't enough, was it? So see, they got, they got something. And the, and the Lord prophesied to them, told them, He said, this guy's going to do things to you that you're going to hate. He's going to bind your neck with heavy burdens, all this different stuff. Oh, we want a king. Well, they didn't get what God wanted in the matter, did they? See that? Anyway. Well, so think about the wording of the meme. While the crowd is crowning Saul, God is anointing David. Well, David wasn't even born when Saul was crowned. Or if he was, he was just a baby. <laughs> we know that David was anointed while, while he was a teenager. But what that said to someone that knows less than he... And, and you know, and I said, I said to myself, I said, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. And then I caught myself, and I said, dear Lord, forgive me. That man may not even know any better. See, and this is just a couple hours ago. So see, I'm telling you is that I have this flesh to contend with. I'd wring that chicken's neck like old grandma probably. <laughs> huh? I'd wring that old chicken's neck just like grandma. <laughs> But look at the warning here at the end, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. He said, for the person that lacks these things, there's a promise and a warning. The promise is, if these things are yours, what things are yours? Well, if you add to faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and self-control, perseverance, stay in power, and to, and, to, and to perseverance, godliness, and godliness, brotherly love, and to love, brotherly love, the God kind of love. He said, if these things are yours and you abound, what will happen? You will never... Be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some people will spin that and say you'll never be barren or unfruitful. Well, you've got to finish it in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Once you're not barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you won't have to be barren or unfruitful in the natural. See that? So that's the promise. Now, what's the warning? For he, or you could say it like this, to the one who lacks these things, the one who lacks these things is short-sighted. What's that mean? Can't hardly see anything, can they? And it says, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he himself is cleansed from what? His old sins. You ain't know anybody like that? You ever been like that? <laughs> so see, you understand here is that when we start to look at people, when we look at people and we see people how God sees people, then we can understand these people need help. So instead of saying, you know, that idiot jumps back and forth and all over the place, well, he doesn't have staying power. So instead of saying something like that, how can I, Lord, what could I say to him? What do you want to say to him? What do you want him to see that will cause him to have staying power? And then sometimes it's not, you know, I mean, we're not called to interfere, interfere and intervene in everybody's lives. Sometimes you're just supposed to pray for them, which brought to my attention someone that I need to pray for because I, they all over the board too. Now that I've that's called that, I've just, the Lord's called that to my remembrance right there. And praise God, I'll do that once I leave here. See that though? Are we seeing how the Christian's supposed to act? See, it's drastically different than what, we hear people preaching and teaching, though, isn't it? 
See what you see what the word says about the matter. The word is what matters. The word is what matters. That's exactly right. And so as we see this, don't don't get discouraged. Don't get disheartened. Don't because you know the Lord's bringing these things to show us so that way you can continue to be a light that just continuously gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter constantly. There's no limit to the level of brightness that you can become. There's no limit. There's absolutely no limit. But we've got sh- we to we kick off these chains and all this different stuff, right? And we've got to learn. You know what? I-, I may, naturally speaking, I have a right to my opinion. But what, but what does God say? Because I don't necessarily always have a right to my opinion. And then analyze that and say, is my opinion right? Is the way that I think about this right? It's very important. See that? Does that help anybody? Let's pray. Father, I love you. You're so good to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for you. I love you. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the teaching that you've brought to us. Thank you for the people that are coming. Hallelujah. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.